Let's all stand together this morning as we reverence the reading of God's Word. We're going to be returning to the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, and a series I've called God's Wisdom for Our Lives. God's Wisdom for Life, and today a message called The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the opening of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. May God bless the reading of his word today. It's my prayer. You may be seated. The book of Proverbs uh, provides a contrast between the way of wickedness and the way of wisdom. Uh, We considered last week the opening of this great book and noticed how that God immediately went to the subject of parents or peers. Out of all of the conceivable directions that God could have gone through as he inspired the compilation of this book, uh, he went here, uh, parents or peers. Uh, Who is your source of authority? Who will you listen to? Unfortunately, we live in a generation, and many, as we watch another generation come along, are heeding the voice of their peers. It's always been a problem. Uh, They used to talk to us about peer pressure long ago in the dark ages of the 70s. Uh, You know, we talked about peer pressure back then. It's always been there. Uh, But uh, certainly it has been refined to an art form. We can see it here in Scripture in Proverbs chapter 1. And uh, uh, just, I want you to remember uh, Proverbs 1 and 10 said, My son of sinners entice you, do not consent. Because when you turn away and you hear or heed the voices of your peers that encourage you to turn away from what your parents have taught, listen, it's not just your parents. And I understand that every teenager kind of struggles to get to, break, get to that point, I guess, where they kind of struggle maybe with what their parents are saying or doing or, or not doing or not letting them do. But it's not just your parents. Uh, many people in this crowd today share the testimony that I have and my brother and sister have. Uh, my parents were Christians and faithful in church. My grandparents were Christians and faithful in church. My great-grandparents were Christians and faithful in church. My great-great-grandparents were Christians and faithful in church. I might could have gone back further, but uh, that's as far as my personal... I didn't know my great-great-grandfather or my great-grandfather, but uh, obviously my grandparents did. And so they passed along that testimony of the kind of people they were and the kind of life they lived. You see, when you're uh, uh, casting off the wisdom of your parents, You're casting off the wisdom of generations of people who came before them. Generation after generation after generation after generation. And in today's culture, they're very flippant about it. Yeah, they're just wrong. I don't understand how that... Uh, wisdom of generations of people who've lived and died by the authority of Scripture. I, I can't understand how it can be cast aside so easily. 
so carelessly. But it is parents or peers. Now, since the wisdom that is under discussion in the book of Proverbs is the truth of God, it could be said that uh, wisdom is used almost as a euphemism or a personification of God himself. Uh, wisdom will be personified in the Proverbs as a beautiful woman, and her voice then, the voice of wisdom, or as I call it today, the voice of reason, would be contrasted with the voice of a seductress, a sinful woman who was uh, calling to them. Some have suggested that since this, uh, uh, the Proverbs were uh, put together posthumously, that is, Solomon wrote them, but they weren't compiled until many years later uh, under the ministry of King Hezekiah. Some have suggested that uh, they pulled out of his writings then those things that specifically talked about that because Solomon himself would fall victim victim to the voice of the seductress. We know that happened. I showed you that last week. And um, we don't make too much about it. A lot of modernists have tried to take this feminine portrait of God in the Proverbs and come to the conclusion that God is actually a female. Uh, that's not just wrong. It's absurd. There's too many passages that speak to us of God as our Father and of our uh, Son, our Lord and Savior, His Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ, uh, who is the image of God, God the Father. Uh, yes, uh, so there's no idea that the idea is not being presented here in Scripture, but it is found in a feminine voice so that that personification of God's truth, wisdom, that's why it talks about she raises her voice in verse 20 in the open square. She cries out in the chief concourses. That is wisdom, the truth of God. Now before the writer talks about where wisdom is offered, he speaks specifically about how wisdom calls aloud raises her voice, cries out, and speaks openly and intently. Uh, this, of course, would be contrasted with the way of sin, which is almost always in a low breath or whisper. Hey, hey, come here. Let me show you. Hey, I got something for you. Hey, come here. Why are they always pulling you aside? Why are they always speaking in a whisper? Well, that's the contrast that's being presented here. Uh, we, we know why that's done, but wisdom cries aloud. It's open, above board. While sin loves the darkness for its secretive and clandestine approach to work, uh, the paths of, and plots of sin are carefully covered up so that the consequences of sin are never talked about. Uh, sin offers pleasure but disguises the pain. It offers glory while concealing the guilt. It offers happiness but instead brings hopelessness. It seems cool, but sin conceals the cost. But there is no hidden things with wisdom. It comes right out in the open. Not, uh, not uh, hidden consequences, but hidden rewards. There's no concealed guilt to endure. With wisdom, there's that hidden glory instead to embrace and to experience and enjoy. Ultimately, sin is always disappointing. But wisdom always brings more than expected. Wisdom cries outside in what we call broad daylight. And, the, and uh, Solomon would describe several different places uh, where this occurs. Wisdom, he says, cries in the open square. 
And that is in the place where business is done, where transactions are made, the marketplace of our lives, the place where people in ancient times would buy and sell. And so he calls to us to listen to the voice of wisdom in our business decisions. It tells us to conduct our business carefully, make wise and careful choices, do your work wisely. Wisdom raises her voice, and this is what she shouts. It matters how you do your business. Do it carefully. Then he talks about the thoroughfares, the chief concourses, the highways of life. These are the the places where we make choices about life and living and what we're going to be, where our education is going to happen, where our business will be conducted, what work we're going to go on, what job we accept and what we don't accept. It is there where the voice of wisdom uh, raises her voice as well. Be wary. Be careful of these choices that you make. Choose your paths carefully. Watch out which direction you go. They're in the city gates. And the city gates, by the way, in Bible times was where they settled disputes. This was the courthouse in their days, the city gates, where they argued. And even there, wisdom speaks to us. Choose your words carefully. Choose your battles even more carefully. I've heard my wife say that many, 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 many times over the course of our marriage and parenting years. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. (laughs) She had a second part to that. Win them. Uh, Pick your battles and then win them. Yeah. So in our private world, in our public world, in our decisions and in our disputes, wisdom cries aloud. God's wisdom cries out to us, fully available to us. And if we ever run into a situation where we really lack wisdom, then the Bible even tells us what to do about that in James chapter 1, verse 5. But if any man among you is without wisdom, let him make his request to God who gives freely to all without an unkind word, and it will be given to him. Who gives to all men freely and upbraideth not. God never responds to our question by saying, well, you big dummy. Well, I can't believe you're coming back to me again. I've already answered this for you. No, God doesn't upbraid us when we call to him and say, Lord, I I don't understand. I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. God gives it. That's a promise that God has made to us. And I can tell you many times over the course of my life when I've Gone to God and I said, God, you told me if I didn't know what to do, to ask you. And it's amazing. No, no, God didn't open the heavens and lean down through the sky and give me a word. No, no. But it is amazing how the Holy Spirit leads us exactly as our text is going to say today. 
So we'll approach this passage then under these three headings. First of all, the plea. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in the scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you, and I will make my words known to you. Remember, the simple simply refers uh, to the naive, those who are uh, inexperienced, who are uneducated, whose minds are open. Uh, we tend to say ignorance is bliss, and there, we may go through times when we are blissfully unaware of things, uh, but uh, uh, if we decide to hang on to that to the point that we start to deliberately ignoring the truth, then that's very dangerous. Uh, here you are, a fine, healthy specimen of humanity. As far as you know, everything's fine. But you go to the doctor. He said, we need to run some tests. We got a little, found a little abnormality. Need to take some x-rays. And first thing you know, the doctors come back and said, well, we found a tumor. And you've got to deal with it. Be real easy to say, you know, hey, I just came in for a routine checkup. I'm feeling fine. Nothing's wrong with me. I don't feel anything's wrong. I don't have any symptoms. I think I'll just walk out of this doctor's office just like I walked in. <laughs> I walked in feeling fine. I'm still feeling fine. I'll just head on out. How's that going to work? Not very well. You see, it's one thing to be ignorant, even blissfully ignorant of the truth. But then when the truth is given to you, it demands a response. You've got to do something about it. And that's exactly what God says in verse 23. That's the plea that wisdom is making. Turn at my rebuke. Turn at my rebuke. That simply means to repent. To repent. To turn around. And when we hear the voice of wisdom, God's truth calling to us, then the only acceptable response is to repent. It's a dangerous thing for, her to, for us to hear the voice of a doctor. We'd all agree. And turn away from that voice. But listen, it is far more dangerous to hear the truth of God and to turn away from that truth. Oh, we can't do that. But we can do it. But we can't do that without consequences. When we turn to God in repentance... We confess our sins to God. God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the Holy Spirit is bringing God's wisdom to our mind and heart at all times through the Scriptures. Uh, Isaiah 11 and 2 says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. You see, that's one of the names of the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of wisdom. Ephesians 1.17, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Thus God promises us when we heed his voice and turn at his rebuke, when we heed his voice, then God will give us more truth. When we listen to his wisdom, God will give us more wisdom. Aren't you glad that we serve the omniscient, that means all-knowing, all-powerful God? And that means that he has a limitless supply of knowledge and wisdom to give to us. 
We're never going to say, well, I've, I've learned everything God has for me. No. <laughs> No, there's more to learn. But the only way you're going to get more is by heeding, heeding what God's already told you. We heed the voice of truth. God gives us more. And he does it through the spirit of wisdom. But that's the plea then. We also see the penalty. Verse 25, because you disdained all my counsel... And would have none of my rebuke. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm. And your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. And despise my every rebuke. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without the fear of evil. So we have the place where wisdom cries, the, the plea that wisdom makes. But then we also see the penalty. The penalty that wisdom imposes. You see, the rejection of the Word of God is the same. Whether it comes from a naive person who really doesn't think about what the, the, the consequences are of their actions or, or whether it is a person who knows full well what they're doing and they've just decided to join the ranks of the scorners who hate God's truth. Refusing God's truth may not seem like a, a, a big uh, major decision. We might think, well, that's just a passive act on my part. I'm just not going to do anything. But the decision to not do anything is, in fact, the decision to do something. It is a fact to reject the truth of God. We go back to the doctor's office visit. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to make a decision. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. And it was sometimes it turns a, a, a corner. It, it goes to another step. And the next step of that. It's when a person gets angry. Well, that old dumb doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. Them x-ray machines, you can't believe none of that. It's all a bunch of uh, hooey and, and, and go on that way. Who is a good Missouri word, by the way. You might not know about hooey. Perfectly good word. Wisdom knows better. Wisdom doesn't look at all of this with disdain, something to be avoided, something to get angry out about but when a person turns away from all of that then there's consequences to their actions notice carefully that the penalty in this passage is given as a promise it is not given as a reaction the reason for that is God acts but God never reacts God never reacts the reason for that is very simple. Uh, God knows the future as well as he knows the past. And therefore, he never has to react to anything. His actions are set and determined. Though a man responds to the truth, then God's actions are set and 
predetermined. Uh, when a man rejects the truth of God, God's actions are set and predetermined. God has seen it coming and he has planned accordingly. First, God says he will laugh and mock when these first people who have hated his instruction, turned away from his truth, laughed at his word. God said, I'll laugh. I will mock when they are caught in their own folly. You see, to reject God's wisdom is more than just to release a series of unfortunate win or unfortunate events. When we reject God's truth, we sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Psalm chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. May be difficult for us to uh, accept the the concept of a God who laughs, but our our sovereign God is obviously capable of laughing at the incredible folly of those who set themselves against Him and His truth, while at the same time grieving over the inconceivable hardship of those who are the victims of that folly. And as a result, says not only does God say that, okay, you've mocked me, I'll mock you. But he also says that he will not be found when they seek him. This somber warning emphasizes a couple of things. First of all, it emphasizes a person can wait too long to seek God. Your heart can get so hardened. Only God knows that time. But a heart can get so hardened and so unresponsive that they will never, ever come back to the truth or come to the truth. But it also emphasizes something else. You see, when we we turn away from God's truth, the the Bible talks about how that passage says they'll turn to their own fancies. (laughs) Interesting word. I I really looked at that hard this week. It'll turn to your own fancies, he said. Uh, Interesting. Almost like the word fantasy. Things we imagine. Things we make up for ourselves. So we turn away from what is truth and real, and then we make up an alternative truth, and we accept that over what God has said. And, and then God will say, well, you have mocked my truth, and, and so, uh, you know, God says, well, I'll, I'll laugh at you. And when you call on me, I'm not going to listen. Why? Because here is a heart that is already hardened in sin. And now, they're wanting God to help them get out of a bind. They they really aren't repenting. That came earlier in the passage with the promise. It's not about repentance or turning from their sin. They just want to get out of a bind. So we we can put this into the hard drive of our lives and bring it up often. God will not be used. God will not be used. If we're just trying to use him to get out of a bind so we can continue on in our sinful lifestyle and sinful rebellion, God knows it. And so thirdly, then God says that they will eat the fruit of their own way 
and be filled to the full with their own desires. Uh, what that means is, is that they don't want the truth of God. What they do want is sin. And when they make that choice, God is perfectly capable of allowing them to have what they say they want. Remember that God's first judgment against sin is more sin. The saddest words in the Bible repeated three times in Romans chapter 1 is that God gave them up. And what did he give them up to? S-I-N. God's response to their choice of sin over his truth was to give them more sin. Ought to be a sad thing if that's all we had today. But thank God the passage ends with verse 33. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and be secure without fear of evil. He promises them his peace. He promises his protection. And he promises his power to those who listen to him. Well, doctors know what it feels like to give wise counsel that's ignored. Uh, teachers know, counselors know, parents know, preachers know. We often find ourselves looking in the eyes of a person who has no interest in what we're saying. They may be listening, but they're not hearing. And most importantly, they don't heed. Moses said it. Ezekiel said it. But more than anybody else, Jesus said it. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. But we also face that warning that men would turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I can't begin to tell you how many times over the years that I've heard people say the countless times that they didn't say it, but they might as well have said it. Well, I know what the Bible says, but... Folks, any time that we look at the words of this book and we say, yeah, I know what that says. I know what it means. Most of the time, it's pretty plain. God, God did not suffer from, the, from, from an ailment that caused him to constantly speak in riddles and obscurities. Most of the time, his word is pretty plain. Easily understood. So we look at that word and we say, God says do this. But we say, I'm not going to do that. Oh. If anybody should know better than that, it would be God's people. But we don't always know better. And all of us, including the guy preaching this message, needs to be reminded of what a dangerous thing it is to know the truth and yet rebel against it. The consequences God put before us in Proverbs chapter 1 are clearly established. But those of us who follow after God and who listen and heed and repent and turn to Him when we've done wrong, who confess our sins, we agree with God, uh, we seek forgiveness when He rebukes us, we believe God, we believe His truth. Maybe we wonder, 
then about the growing harshness in our culture toward God and the things of God. But the answer is right before you in our text today. People reject God and they grow harder and harder in that rejection. Even if they cry out to God in some sense, thinking maybe God could help me with this, maybe God could help me with that, and God doesn't answer, that's just more affirmation to them that uh, God's really not anything to be concerned about. They don't know that God won't be used. They don't know that the only proper way to approach God is through repentance and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That calls on us, yes, I'm a sinner. And Lord, I want to turn to you and be saved. Because they hated knowledge, God says, they'll be filled to the full with their own fancies. And what that means is, uh, obviously, is when you're filled to the full, you don't have any room left. No room left. And so today I may be talking to somebody who's struggling with the whole concept. Do I believe the Bible or do I believe the culture? Do I believe the Bible or do I believe my friends? Do I, do I, am I going to listen to the voice of wisdom? Or am I going to listen to the voice of sin? And you might be in that spot today. There might be somebody here, you're not in that spot But maybe you're parenting somebody who is. Maybe you're you're married to somebody who is or used to be. Somebody who's rejecting God's truth. Going their own way. Living according to their own fancies. And maybe you've been left to pick up the pieces. Maybe it's somebody you're doing your best to try to talk to. And they won't listen. Got a couple of things for you this today. First of all, you need to understand somebody whose heart is full has no room for anything else. And if their heart and their mind is full of their own fancies, they're not going to listen to the truth of God. And that means very simply, don't blame yourself. It's not that you did wrong. It's that they did wrong. And the consequences then that are so clearly and plainly and painfully outlined in this passage are are falling on them. But it's it's not without remedy. Because remember, this last passage tells us, but oh, if they'll turn to me, if they'll turn to me. And all you'd want to help them. I know how you are. I'm the same way. You long to be able to help them, to say just the right thing at just the right moment that's going to turn their life around. You, you long for that. But the fact is, their heart is full. Their mind is full. They may not listen. But they've had the truth. They've got the truth. And that truth is powerful. It cries aloud. And because it's out there in the busy places of our life, it means that no matter how high you, you how loudly you play your music, how, how high you turn your television up, it doesn't matter how deeply you immerse yourself in the video games or whatever it is that you're immersed in, the voice of wisdom can still penetrate your ears, your mind, and your heart. 
Because it goes out with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as W.C. so well said this morning, prayer. Oh, prayer is important. I don't know where you are today on the spectrum of things that we've talked about. But the Holy Spirit does. And now we come to that time of response. You've heard the truth. I didn't tell you all the truth. I can't preach it all in one sermon, much as I'd like to. But you've heard enough of it to make a decision. A decision whether you'll follow God's truth or whether you will reject that for something else. And I hope and pray today you're ready to listen to God. Let's stand together, please.